start off as an idea and then as the content comes in they kind of take take a life of their own and i'm quite surprised by them there's a lot of voices online of people that have never really written so i don't want to lose that feeling of adventure you know i, I love i love the adventure of graffiti you know the new experiences Hello again, mate. Welcome to episode 78 of Toy Division. This episode is with Score TRC. He is happy for me to reveal his identity. I know that's not normally the Toy Division thing, but he's got some great books that are out there um, and we talk about those projects. Um, check us out on Instagram, Toy Division 2. That's Toy Division 2. If you're still following the old account, unfollow that and follow Toy Division 2. Um, we also do have a Patreon. Now there's people contributing. Um, it can be as low as $1 a month. If you pay a little bit extra than that, you do get extra content. So we've done things like breathwork basics. We've done stuff about resistance training, done stuff about food and drink choices, all those types of thing. And also you get exclusive background making of the podcast. Also, because Score has these amazing books that he wants to sell to you lovely people, we've actually got a discount code. So that discount code is TDSCORE. So T for Tango, D for Delta, S for Sierra, K for Kilo, O for Oscar, R for Romeo, E for Echo. So TDSCORE. When you contact SCORE via his Instagram, if you give that TDSCORE discount code, you can get 10% off any order. So yeah, use it and get fucking three corners or don't, don't buy all of them because I want to get one. Anyway, and enough of my gibbering. Let's jump straight in and please enjoy. Okay, so welcome to this episode of Toy Division. I'm not going to say what episode number it is because I get confused as with many things. I've got a previous guest on this episode all the way back from episode 28 which was named Late Night Photocopying Missions. And this person is, and I want to give Shine a bit more light on them because of their projects and stuff like that. So I know I've had a bit of confusion about time zones, which is very like me, but how are things at the moment in Great Britain? good mate yeah very good thank you i mean it's raining hard but that's uh <laughs> not unusual for, for for great britain i guess so um that's just the way it is and um yeah i'm i'm working from home so it's i don't have to go out there and deal with it so it's all good excellent and you know i think last time we spoke you guys were a lot in lockdown and now it's kind of flipped around and here in Melbourne, it's, and you know, where I was previously in Sydney, it's, um, it's all over the shop, but that's the COVID stuff. And most people, I think they're just sick and bored of it. And I think last time we spoke it was near enough, probably a year ago anyway. And I remember you saying, yeah. everyone's just a bit sick of it now. So let's, let's get on to some interesting stuff. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. since we last spoke, yeah, I've actually got date here. It was actually September 2020. So it was a year ago. So time time yeah. flies. Time flies when you're in lockdown. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I believe that you've done some projects since then um, that I really wanted to just talk about and like unpack as such to get the story behind the project. So I've written those down. Yeah, um, okay. 
Cool. Now, now I'm not 100% sure if they were already in the process of being done when we last spoke or anything like that. But when we spoke originally, we originally spoke mostly about you creating the London's Burning magazine years and years ago and how you went through that process. Um, and I did say I would say your Instagram at the beginning of this episode because I want to make sure that people know who I'm talking to. That's not normally the Toy Division way, but you said you're happy with that. And obviously you've still got some stuff to kind of, I guess you've got some stuff printed that you would still like to sell. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've got some bits. Yeah. yeah, just just a few, just a few, just a few. It's a bit like if anyone's still looking for a Toy Division T-shirt, I've got a shitload of them sitting in a cupboard. So if anyone hears this and wants some Toy Division T-shirts and you're a small, a medium. Oh, man, I did some T-shirts. All I've got left is small. I'm not printing small again, people. <laughs> no, it seems to be people were asking for triple XLs. And I was like, yeah, me too. That's 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 the that's the way I I got I came at it as well. Like I've got four. I did a um. I just did a t-shirt project just just to change it up a little bit for um, Phoebe's. It's like a leather dye that we use in using our pens over here that really stain the trains. Mm -hmm. And I've got like three or four smalls left. Everybody, yeah, the, the trip. I could have sold more triple XLs. I think that tells you a lot about writers, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, because that's actually one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. So as we've already got into that, so, you know, the, the Phoebings leather dye t-shirt, you did mention that um, you gave a brief. So what is fit? Because I know, I remember Phoebings being this like magical thing. Yeah, you've got to go to the, the cobblers down the road, right? And pretend that you need to get that colour. So do you want to tell us what Phoebings is? Because I like the way you made a t-shirt about it. Yeah, it was a, um, it was it was probably 1990 or 1991. All these kind of purple stains started to appear on the, on the um, on the tube system on the insides. And the first few people who had it, like my my crewmate Fiasco was one of the first guys that I think got a lot of uh, was using it quite strongly. And I, and and he was being quite secretive about it. But just before Phoebings, there was another one called Meltonian that was like a sort of a little bit of a brown stain. So I think once people have discovered that one, they started trying all the other leather dyes. And this, this Phoebings has a particular purple in particular that just gave the most lethal stain you've ever seen. It was just, it just didn't look buffed. It, it was just incredible. So um, for a period of two or three years until they recoated all the trains with anti-graffiti paint, which they ended up having to do, all the insides were just absolutely battered with these kind of purple, and other stains, the black was quite good. Um, so yeah, it was just it was just kind of a, like a little nod back to that. Really, I did a rain, I just did a did a bunch of t-shirts. Um, I was just experimenting, really. I've got a bit sick of doing books, just kind of branching out, tried a t-shirt, but like you said, um, should have done more triple XLs and shouldn't have bothered with the smalls. So that, that's a sort of a note to anybody else in the future doing shirts, I guess. Yeah, I. There's people that I know that I sold shirts to, and I know they're not. I'm I'm like large, bordering on XL. I would like to say it's all muscle, but I don't think it is. And I know there's people that were buying them that I would consider would be best suited to a small, but they were buying larges. 
So I guess maybe the baggy look is back. I don't know. I'm, I'm completely out of the loop. But what is the... I don't, no, don't ask me, mate. I, yeah. I, I wear a medium, like, and I like it quite well fitted. Not like, not like a muscle t-shirt, but do you know what I mean, I'm not really into that baggy look at all. So, um, but I guess a lot of people are. A lot of people like the, um, like the shoulder creases to be halfway down the bicep, don't they? That kind of whole like, like oversized, like, you know, just reminds me of LA. Do you know what I mean? Like whenever I go to LA, like t-shirts are down to the sort of knees or new york they they love that oversized look but i guess mate maybe where you are it's, it's a thing as well well i don't know it's 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 a difficult one to know here i mean the area i've just moved to after living pretty much in the burbs and the outskirts of sydney for a couple of years i've now moved to a pretty and i keep saying it with you know someone who's nearly 40 saying cool but there's fashion is a lot of <laughs> i don't know i don't even it's yeah anyway that's a whole other podcast episode but i guess just to let people know who i'm talking to today so your instagram is at score trc so it's at s-k-o-r-e-t-r-c and i will put all this in the show notes but i just wanted to mention your instagram to start off with because someone might have heard oh phoebing shirt i've not heard of that and yeah, yeah. actually now they're like, oh, I'm a small and I want a feebing shirt. And now they're knowing where to go. But as I said, don't worry if anyone's listening to this and they're trying to write things down quick. I do really good show notes. So you can always get that information from there. Um, there is, I'm just going to pause for one second, mate. Sorry. Uh, I, the computer is telling me that I don't have much space left on this computer. So that. Hang on a sec. Oh, I've got two and a half gigs. That's all right. No worries. All right. Okay. Start again. So, so that's an interesting one about the t-shirts. And as you said, you got a bit sick of books. Now you've done a lot of books, magazines, self-publication stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the other ones that I was going to mention was um, you've got Lockdown Diary. That's something that you made. I mean, the clue is in the name of probably when you made it, but could you just to talk a little bit more about uh, <laughs> lockdown diary well i did i've done, I've done two basically the, the, the two span a year in, in, oh, the right. first one was the first lockdown so um i did that at the beginning well the, the first lockdown in, in in the uk was between sort of march and july of 2020 mm-hmm. um and it was quite a that, at that time, we had amazing weather and I was painting all the time and I started selling drawings online and I just um, started putting them into like a small book and, yeah. and ended up selling the book. Um, and then off the back of that, people kind of wanted another one. So I did I did one that spanned the second and third lockdowns, which took it up to a year. So in total, the two books, they're quite small books, um, just kind of documented that my whole year of lockdown, basically. So... Um, yeah, that, that was that really. That, um, the first one sold really well. Um, the second one, I just think things, um, the second one came out kind of as things were opening up. Um, so I sold quite a, quite a few, but not as, for, not as many as the first one, I think. Um, I think people just reached peak book. <laughs> I think that's just the way it's got really. So And so, so have I, to be honest. So, but it was a really nice journey through lockdown to to do that to document it and i think it's something um i'll enjoy looking back at 
because um, it was a crazy year and it's nice to have it all yeah. kind of documented. I put everything that was going on in the UK in a kind of chronological order as the pieces were happening. So it kind of tells the story of lockdown and and what I was doing in it kind of thing. So it's quite a nice sort of thing to look back on. That's fair. And, you know, that's really productive. I mean, I know we spoke about it on text and you were saying that, you know, I'm really pleased I did these projects during that time because it really gave you something to focus on. It gave you actually something to, you know, actually put your mind to because having nothing to do often can be so overwhelming, can't it? It's like when you've got nothing to do, but it sounds like you really kind of dug in, carried on painting and then started documenting it. And like you're saying, you can look back on it and find, you know, this is what happened during that time. And yeah, I think that really, that sounds really good. I didn't realize you'd done a couple. So that's, but it's interesting you say people have reached like peak book, but you said as had you as well. You were like, I'm, I'm a bit sick of books now, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I just think like towards the end of the last lockdown, um, well, actually out of lockdown, really, London got quite toxic, really. And I just think people had just all had enough. And that it, um, the scene was kind of turning on itself a little bit. And I took a little bit of a step back from Instagram for a couple of months. Um, I just kind of got a bit sick sick of the whole thing. Um, I, I think I think it was a general vibe with everybody, really. I, I think it was just... Um, yeah, people were just frustrated. The frustration was coming out, I think by, you know, they brought these vaccines out. It didn't seem to be, you know, they kind of sold it like it was just going to all suddenly disappear and then it didn't, you know? <laughs> and I think people were just, yeah. they just got to that point, I think. Everybody just wanted to have a scream and a shout at each other. That's kind of where we're at in Australia at the moment, really. Not necessarily the screaming and shouting, but there's this idea they're pushing for and I don't want to get into the debate, not necessarily with you, but I try and avoid talking with people about it because people have a real, people can have a real extreme view about vaccines and things like that. And I'm, I personally, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to get mine. I'm just waiting. Yeah. But the push we've got at the moment is, is that they're saying things like when you're double vaccinated, then you're allowed to go out. You can congregate yeah, groups. They, they, of, did, they did that here. Yeah, they just um, they basically come up with a lot of things to push more youngsters to get vaccinated. Like they kind of told people things were happening and then dialed it back once they got more people vaccinated. Like they said that the people who were double vaccinated wouldn't have to. They could travel and they could go to football, and then in September they'd be having a vaccine passport and all this sort of stuff. They've yeah. now pulled back on all of that. I think they were just using it as a as a stick yeah. to to make people get vaccinated um which is good because the vaccine passport thing i mean i'm not really a sort of a tinfoil hat person but <laughs> that's something that worries me the having to present your papers obviously as a writer yeah. um, it, once you've got an id card put in in place um it could easily have your criminal record added to it your mental health record added to it yeah. um you know it, people could be making decisions based on what they see on that whether to employ you or search you anything you know it's it's a it's, it's something that bothers me it doesn't bother a lot of people but um i think as writers you know with criminal records and stuff you don't always want to sort of go in with that straight away with people and go yeah you know i've been nicked this many times no, and, you know no. and then get prejudged on it <laughs> no no you don't 
Animals? <laughs> no, not at all. Like I, that's why I try and keep my personal identity very separate from my professional identity through work because okay, you know, I'm a very different person now, but I've disclosed some things on this podcast. I know it's completely different than a but vaccine passport, but they are pushing that hard here. And there's people so yeah. signed up to, if you haven't been vaccinated, basically it's your fault why Australia's in a lockdown. And Melbourne, where I am, they are, you know, they've been in lockdown nearly, probably longer than anywhere else in the world. So I completely get it. But to go back to what you were saying, that frustration starts to pop out. I actually fell out with quite a good friend at the weekend. He's 100% for vaccines and vaccines being the solution. And I'm not yeah. anti-vaccine. I'm not tinfoil hat. I'm, I'm just like, look, I don't necessarily think I want to get these vaccines or a vaccine. And I would like to see how it rolls because we're seeing from across the world that it's not necessarily the kind of the solution. It actually, you know, I heard um, on the grapevine, the UK might go into another lot, all these things. And I'm like, I just want to make that decision. But they are pushing so hard here. If you don't get vaccinated, you can't go to work. If you're not vaccinated, you can't go. When all the things open up, you won't be able to go to a pub. You won't be able to go. You can't even go and congregate with your friends at a park unless you've got double vaccination yeah. evidence. It's crazy, isn't it? It's just, they're just pushing. I mean, I, th I, I think if you're over 50 and you're vulnerable, I think the vaccine's a great idea. I don't really necessarily think if you're like a 20-year-old kid, I think it should be personal choice, really. Like, if you're living with an elderly relative or something and yeah. you're concerned about them, you should be able to have it. If you don't, you should be able to make your own decisions. Like, that's, that's just the way I see it. But um, they're, they're going to push it, aren't they? I don't think there's any way around it, really. It, it, it makes sense to them. They're all making a very lot of money off of it. You know, all the um, yeah, politicians in this country are on the boards of all sorts of different health boards. And, Ugh. you know, there's a lot of money for them to be making, you know. No, the government, what they're in cahoots with, large multinational companies and media companies no way that's those tinfoil hat graph writers that is that's not and, that's, and i completely agree with you that i think choice is the key and as soon as someone starts to strong arm me into things instantly i'm like nah not doing it not doing it and the sad thing is, is that yeah, this is natural, yeah and this is a period of time when we actually need to listen to others have understanding and conversations and talk about because the across the world our mental health and our physical health has been challenged massively but unfortunately it's becoming almost like sides now it's like i'm for this and i'm for that and that's not going to help any of our mental health and you know we need to stick together but anyway that's just my tree hugging inner city lefty latte sipping personality these days um but i'm yeah. pleased we had the conversation because i'll be honest on this podcast haven't really talked about it at length because i'm concerned to but i think people hearing that you can actually have a civilized conversation is really important rather than just slinging shit and arguing on instagram or TikTok or whatever the kids may use these days <laughs> yeah yeah no, definitely I'm not dancing on TikTok yet, but we'll see what happens. Um, so one of the other ones, which I think is super interesting, and I'd really like to kind of unpack this one is, um, the book that you put out, 30 Years of Sin. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that was a project, um, my friend Kilo, basically. Um, Sin, Sin is like a project that he's, he kind of pushes the strongest, I guess. 
Um, it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's his crew, but it, he's really sort of passionate about the whole sin, sin crew thing. Um, and he was telling me about the 30 year, you know, like it's our 30th year. We did like a big wall on the 25th. Yeah. And I just said to him, you know, I'm doing these books at the moment. Um, I'm not even, I, there's, there's people in Sin Stars I've never met. You know, I'd quite like to see their stuff. I'd like to, I'd like to hear their stories. Mm. Why don't we put a, why don't we put like, um, you know, like have six pages each. Get all the members to to, to write their you know that, uh, something about themselves that you know I wouldn't know necessarily, um, like a bio and, and and like you know like a mixture of stuff telling their whole kind of you know like a couple of early pieces, uh, building it up you know like uh, and then and then put some crew walls in so that was kind of the basic idea and um, at the time I wasn't that really that passionate about it like a lot of these books they start off as an idea and then as the content comes in. They kind of take take a life of their own, and I'm quite surprised by them quite often. And um, the Sing Crew book was definitely like that. I wasn't really aware of some of the members. Um, um, you know, there's, there's three guys in New York. I wasn't, although I'd, I've, I've met them all, I wasn't really aware of their like early like histories. Um, a couple of our friends of ours in Holland, it was really interesting reading their bios, talking about, you know, the, the punk scene in the early 80s in Amsterdam. And, you know, it was just a lot of interesting stuff that, um, that as I was making, I was thinking, oh, this is really, this is kind of really cool. Um, and yeah, I was quite really pleased with it at the end of it. I think it was um, a really valuable thing and it actually made me more interested in being in the crew, seeing that how well-rounded it was and um, the scale of, um, you know, good writers within it. You know, I think that's um, I think that's a kind of a, a bit of a lesson for a lot of crews. Really, we don't really appreciate sometimes, um, especially some of these larger crews. You know, unless you do do little projects like that or you do these little get-togethers, the crew thing kind of just becomes like an incidental couple of letters on the side of your piece. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's quite nice to kind of pull all this stuff together and kind of celebrate you know, like 30 years of something, you know, and the history that, that that's brought to all of us, I guess, in different ways. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was another nice project, really. And um, that one particularly, I didn't sell. It was sold by all members of Crew. We kind of worked out a deal beforehand yeah. that um, everybody could kind of um, buy copies and, and, and sell individually. So it, it kind of got a little, it got into different areas than, than I just get to on my own, selling through my Instagram. Sounds really interesting. And I said, what I'll do is, is when I actually uh, post this, I will be putting some screenshots and whatnot um, of these various publications because I've I've looked at the Instagram, I've looked at your Instagram, and they're always such good quality. That's the thing. These aren't like half-assed. Oh, I've just fucking slapped it together in Word. They're really good quality publications. They're not like some publications, I won't name which ones they are, not necessarily books, but certain magazines where the, ma the pictures are just shit quality pictures. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> some and of them just, like, people grab off the internet and stick them in the magazines. I mean, I'm really not into, I really hate magazines that are just um, constant joiners um, of graffiti with all the background cut out of it. It's just a real pet hate of mine, no context. Yeah. Um, I mean, all the all the books I do, I, I actually like the I like to create a story. I, I really don't. I mean, I could knock out a hundred books of just sticking photos in, but I just wouldn't enjoy it at all. 
Um, it doesn't interest me. I, I like to create something that I think has got a nice, you know, like it, it's kind of got a beginning, a middle and an end and there's a nice story there. And um, that's kind of what interests me. Not really the, um, I hate the selling, you know, like dealing with the printers is stressful. I actually just, I enjoy the final product and, and, and sort of being quite proud of it, really. I guess that's that's been the, the part of it I've enjoyed and getting these stories out there that, um, you know, one I'm particularly proud of is the Three Corners book. I don't know if you've seen that on my Instagram, but it was that like... Was, um, that was the next one I was going to mention, so perfect segment. Yeah, so, yeah. so um, shall I talk about that one? Yeah, that please do, basically, yeah. The golden era of London was kind of like up until about 87, 88. And then, then Acid House kind of hit London and pretty much all the original writers in London gave up and went from hip hop to Acid House. And just, there was just like this whole year of lost, like this whole lost year. It wasn't lost because it was an amazing like cultural movement in London. But as far as graffiti went, there was a complete changing of the guard. And, um, the, the only real scene in London for the next two or three years was at this Hall of Fame called Three Corners. Um, and there was, it was kind of, it was a little bit Acid House influenced in the style, um, but it was also really like, um, up until that point, London, most of us had painted in West London at the pit, Ladbroke Grove, at, uh, or under the Westway in, in West London. and you were pretty much guaranteed to get robbed or hassled every time you went there. Like people would go there taking photos and lose their cameras. And this place at Three Corners was was just like a like a secret spot. It was like sunken down in this very residential area right in the city of London. Um, so it was a completely different vibe for painting in London. And all of a sudden you weren't kind of like watching over your shoulder waiting to get sort of hit on the head you just had this sort of real creative space and some people were doing some amazing stuff so people like snatch was a was a big name down there um some other guys like check and stet and uh shoom and uh people like shoe two and, and bus one who were who were the, the original people from dds there was this whole kind of little group of us that for two or three years I would say it took us from the original London 80s train and, and West London scene up until probably the first Unity event. There was this kind of whole section from like 89, 90 that, that you know, that I represented in that book. And, and I, I told the story of it and I was just really pleased to get that history down because I think it's a history a lot of people maybe don't really appreciate. Um, and it was really well received. Um, and I was, that's probably the book I'm maybe the most proud of, just because, um, you know, I've, I've always loved London history. Um, I mean, I, I, it, may, it makes me so sad to see London today, really knowing, you know, what we had and what we, you know, like, and, and the rich history that, that, that was there that I feel, you know, I, I just feel completely getting lost and, and kind of there's a lot of people now with all these fake backstories trying to write themselves into this supposed London history that just weren't there, you know, and, and the people that know they weren't there are getting less and less. And it was just nice to just put it out there, you know, that this this was an important part of the London thing. You know, if you were there, you know, you were there and, um, you know, it was important. And if you don't, you know, here's a little bit of history you didn't know about, you know, it's um, yeah, like I say, I'm, I'm really proud of the book. 
And um, I'd like kind of it kind of talking about it now makes me want to pick another project and maybe do another book. That's <laughs> probably the book that, um, that that's inspired me the most. I think um, just because of the way London is now, and I just I'm so disillusioned by it. You know, um, you which wanna, is horrible because it's been. Did you want to say why maybe you're disillusioned by it? I mean, I guess we don't want to kick up too much. I don't want to. I don't want to sort of create. Um, I don't kind of want to add to the online beef situation. <laughs> no, really, good point. It, good point. I mean, just just giving it a very loose, um, fluffy version of. I, I guess there's a few kind of um, there's a few podcasts and things out there that that kind of people go on and, and tell. And tell sort of versions of the past that a lot of people don't recognise, I guess. And um, there's a lot of voices online of people that have never really written. Um, but if you if you followed their online profile, you'd think they would be big players back in the day. And you know, people who were there back in the day will tell you these people did nothing at all. But they're very vocal on the scene now, and to the point where they're telling people what to do and bullying people and it's just very unhealthy. I mean, they've obviously got their issues. Um, I don't really want to stir up a hornet's nest, but I just think London's kind of accepted. You know, London back in the day wouldn't have accepted these people and their bullshit stories. And now people seem to sign off on absolutely anything. Um, and people don't call people out on it. Everything's... And I'm the same. I don't, I don't go on. I don't go on Instagram and make any kind of like comment that isn't a few flame emojis because I just can't be dealing with people's <laughs> egos, you know, because you say anything these days online and people will make a huge deal of it. And I guess that's why these people now are able to exist in graffiti. I think, I think you know, I, I read I read that this is happening in a lot of cities, you know, like, and I, and I just say to people that get really frustrated by it, you know, like, these, are, these people don't really do what we do, you know, like, yeah they're into graffiti for the for this kind of illusion that they're kind of a road man in London and, and, and they're this and that but they're actually not really writers they don't really have that um, urge to go out there and do stuff they just want to kind of hang around in a hall of fame and talk shit and, and look tough and uh, you know if you if you turn up and roll a background they'll tell you you're some sort of toy for making an effort you know it's just that's just it's just this, this crazy world that we live in now and I, I just I don't feel a part of it and I don't kind of um I just don't really respect it you know at the end of the day these people they do what they want I don't really want I, I'm not interested in beefing with anybody but they're not really I don't feel that they do what I do there's this whole disconnect with it you know and even for you know in terms of what I actually do and don't do these days I know it's not the subject but I do little bits here and there. I do what I enjoy doing. That may stay the same, it may not. But I just find that I've found there's so much bullshit on the internet. And I know that's always been the case, but now there's these yeah. people that, I don't know, build up these huge followings and this vocal outspoken person about this. And I'm gonna go on this podcast and I'm gonna do that. And that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to make Toy Division anonymous. Because yeah. I was getting really disheartened with these fucking internet celebrities 
popping up. Uh, and oh, maybe... putting up pictures of their beer that they've just drunk or their trainers. And I'm just like, I don't give a shit what, what trainers you wear. I don't, don't give a shit about what beer you drink, you know? Don't take a photo just... of your fucking lunch. <laughs> it's just boring, isn't it? It's just like graffiti is about anonymity, you know? Like yeah. these people who put their faces up online and you're just like, if you was doing any form of graffiti, why would you be putting your face online? Yeah. It's just, it's just so strange, but it's just the nature of it now, I think, you know, like, I'm people just being think like, celebrities, don't they? I'm just being like my granddad. It was better in my day. You don't realise how much better it was in my day. But the thing is, I like to keep it tongue in cheek, but I like to actually yeah. have these discussions because you know, someone who's actually taking that time and, you know, I had to put a ban on me buying any more graffiti books for a little while because I lost the fucking plot in 2020 and bought so many books. And my wife never says, don't. But now yeah. that you've told me about the three corners and you've actually gone through it, I'm like, I'm fucking buying one. So maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm, break, I'm breaking the the prohibition era of graph books yeah, because I did yeah. buy, I have to say I did buy a couple recently and yeah. the one that I bought recently, um, Wildfire, which is about Adelaide, the Adelaide train, the Adelaide scene here in Australia. Oh, I'd like that. I'd like that book. Yeah. I paint with two guys. I paint regularly with two guys from Adelaide that I think feature in the book that live in London. So uh, I've always been interested in the Adelaide book. So. Cause it was done by um, the guy who did, um, or the person who did Kingsway, which is an amazing book all about Melbourne, but now is yeah. five, six, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred dollars online. Wow. So, yeah, that's wow. the thing. Some people are saying just buy double and then sell them later on. And I'm like, oh, come on, guys. We don't want this to turn into fucking sneaker culture. No offense to anyone that's into sneaker culture. I know there's a lot of people that listen <laughs> to this that like sneakers. But I did that for a little while and I just ended up buying loads of expensive trainers and never wearing them. And I was like, I think I should just pay for paint and like going traveling and stuff. But that's a whole other subject. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So we've gone through three corners, lockdown diary, but literally it's plural. It's lockdown diaries. So yeah. that's, that's good. Um, 30 years of sin, which actually made you you were like, oh, I didn't realise there was all this depth and history to this crew. And, you know, I've been aware of Sin Stars um, for a long time, ever since I first got into Graph, really. And also Kilo as yeah. well. Obviously, yeah. your stuff as well. Um, and I guess that must be really interesting for you. Because like you're saying, these projects, it's like a, a bit of a thought bubble. You're like, oh, maybe I could do that. And then it kind of just starts to grow and becomes yeah, this... Exactly, yeah organic life of its own and when you mentioned the style of the writer snatch if anyone doesn't know yeah. who that is i'm going to put that i'm going to put their uh instagram i'm going to put snatch's instagram into the show notes because the things i've seen recently by snatch the concept pieces have yeah. just made my brain melt and i look at a lot of good graph i look at a lot of graph on the internet i'm a graffiti addict but I've seen these pieces and I'm just like, my mind just goes, what the fuck? So if anyone's wondering what I'm talking about, I'll put the Instagram in the show notes. Cause I like doing that. I know on podcasts, they mention things and then it's like, yeah. well, you're I trying did... to write things down and stuff like that. So I would put it in the show notes. Yeah, I did a book. Um, sorry to mention another book. I did a book called 10 and one of the 10 people I picked for it was Snatch. Just cause I've always, 
And I think that was maybe what kind of led to the Three Corners book. You know, like I, I've, I've known Snatch since the 80s um, and he's always been somebody that I've really admired from the London scene. Mm. Um, he just kind of stands out as a, as a kind of an individual. He doesn't follow anybody else's. A lot of people in London seem to have got stuck on like a 1995 fume piece, you know, and it's quite... <laughs> It's just it's just a bit of a thing, you know. Snatch has never kind of um, never wanted to conform to this idea of graffiti. He's always been like really kind of elevated beyond it, you know. And like you said, some of his recent concepts and things made me kind of seek him out to be part of the ten book, um, which was basically just a concept. I just picked ten of my favourite writers and just showcased them. It was a very simple idea: ten people, ten pieces. And uh, yeah, Snatch was kind of um, right up there on my list when I wanted to do that. They look like they sold like hotcakes, the 10 ones. Yeah, we, um, it was, that was a wicked project. Just, just because, um, just, just really good friends, do you know what I mean? And, um, people that I, I really admired. And I just thought I was inspired for that one really by the, um, overground books from Finland or, or Sweden or wherever they were from. I don't know if you're aware of those. Um, Is it overground writers? There's basically three books that feature nine writers. Basically, I think they did. I think they've got nine, and I always loved those books. And I always wanted to do a London version, or not really a London version, a UK version, I should say. Did you want to say because um, we did? Because again, I know I keep referring to the old episode. So anyone that's listening to this and thinking oh, this is interesting, that you can go back and listen to the old uh, other episode, which is episode twenty-eight, uh, late night photocopying missions, but. You don't have to apologise because I remember thinking, let's talk about 10 again, because the writers in that, it was mind bending. So who was in, who were the 10 writers in the book 10? Okay. Um, Sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> right. I've got to try and remember now. Snatch, um, Bum, this guy Bum that I paint with, Pines, who's originally Australian, um, Rain Man, uh, Act. Shogi, who's uh, another kind of guy that I paint, used to paint with. Um, myself, Petro. Ugh, struggling for the last two now. Oka. <laughs> Oka. Yeah. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Brain's That's gone nine. up. Brain's <laughs> gone dead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. There's ten of us. <laughs> Sorry to that one person who we've forgotten if they end up listening to this. But just to go back through, Joe, Snatch, Bum, Pines, Rain Man, Act, Shogi, Score, Petro, and Ochre. Now that is, and obviously the person who we've forgotten. Sorry, person we've forgotten. Um, there is some Siege, mega. Siege. See, uh, how could we? How could that? And I'm going to sound exactly. like a mega, how I'm going to sound like a mega fanboy. But I've been a mega fanboy yeah. on this podcast. Siege's stuff for me has always just been just because oh, he's, it's he's, he's, he's amazing. He's amazing because it's so clear. It's so, but the characters and the this is the graph fanboy now coming out of me. I'm like, oh, Siege fifty two. How could we forget Siege? Um, you know, yeah. Oka Petro, very innovative interesting styles that aren't really put into a pigeonhole someone like rain man like my friend 
is, you know, knows that person and just has shown me some flicks of some stuff. And I'm like, that's what I've always thought. I didn't get Rain Man stuff. You know, when I was, and without any, any judgment, you know, I was so signed up to, because the first graph I ever saw that I can remember was Fume DDS. So I was 100% signed up to that's graph. I was talking to some mates about that's it. That's London, day. yeah. That's this is this is. I mean, Rain Man lives in London, but he'll never be accepted in London. They just they they there's this whole kind of thing they would describe him as anti-style, which is just what what is that? You know, they've got this whole idea in in London. If you don't do Fume DDS 1995 pieces, you're some sort of um, middle class. Boffin, you know, like um, I haven't heard that for a while. 100% isn't, but that's just they, they kind of lump it in with, with street art, you know, if you're not doing this which again, I don't have a problem with, I think that's another just you know, just a way of shutting shutting down anybody with any talent, do you know what I mean? Like, well, it's, just, it's just still part of this hardcore thing, you know, if you're doing supposedly anti-style, whatever that is, Yeah. Um, I don't think Rain Man's anti-style at all, I think there's loads of style in what he does I think it's fucking uh, amazing. Um, and again, I'm sounding like a mega fanboy, but this is what I've oh, started to become. Oh, mate, just just some of the stuff that I've seen in various and this isn't this is and I guess people get this idea, they're like, oh, this person just does legal spots. I'm like, da, 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 without going into it, it's like, don't just say just because don't just think what you see on the internet is the whole lot. But anyway, that's a whole other bloody subject. And then someone like Petro, someone like Oka. I mean, what else do you like act? Act as part of the London scene. Like yeah. for me, again, Act and Slam, the dynamic killer duo that I remember seeing Act and Slam pieces. And I was looking at an Act piece the other day, and it is so readable, but there is so much going on with it. There's like loops and curls, and it's just like flipping out. Anyway, I sound like a mega fanboy. So if anyone is wondering, <laughs> why I was so hyped. And that was the reason why I said it went like hotcakes was because I was too late. I waited that little bit too long. It was a bit like when Oka did the um, the collection of flicks printed like an old photo album. And I just waited uh, that yes. tiny bit too long. And it was yeah. like, nah, they're gone. But I did get I did get the other one. But anyway, there's, I don't want to give too yeah. many de details away. So I guess, because we've talked about quite a few things here, there's also something you did, and we know we said we were going to talk about it to some degree, but, um, you know, so we spoke about you did a calendar project, and that was to yeah. raise, yeah. that was that was to raise, well, why, yeah, why did you do the calendar project? The main reason, I think, is because, um, Chris, it was basically the first Christmas, I always struggle at Christmas on a sort of a mental health level to some degree. Mm -hmm. I always find it a tough time. I've got no idea why really. I find it quite a reflective time. That yeah. kind of the new year, the the just the feeling around Christmas, you know, like like there's so much expectation and it's just just find it a difficult time. And I've lost I've lost a lot of friends over the years and I was feeling quite reflective and I wanted to do something for people's mental health in lockdown. Um, it was quite a simple idea, really. Um, so I started collecting all the names of all the, all the, all the writers that had passed, which was really like a difficult thing to do. It didn't seem like it at the beginning, but the more stories I got sent to me, it actually really, really got to me. 
and I sort of struggled to finish the project. Um, but, but I got it done and um, it sold really well. Um, and I raised about £600 for a charity called um, Calm in the UK, which is the campaign against living miserably, which uh, supports um, families who have been bereaved by people taking their own lives. And um, it's just basically, it's a support line for people that are in crisis and potentially going to take their own lives. Um, it's a subject close to my heart. Um, my father took his own life. And I've had, you know, I've, as I've got older, I've realised I sort of suffer from a few things like anxiety, and um, you know, I've had a, I've had a couple of moments in my life, kind of thing, where where things have got on top of me. So um, it was really just kind of aware, about awareness for me, really, to, to all sort of be kind and look after each other um, in that in that lockdown period. And that was really why I did it, but it kind of it was a bit of a hornet's nest in a sense. I got I got more criticism for that I think than than anything else. It, wow. it kind of triggers people in different ways. I think um, uh, I don't think I'd repeat it just based on you know I just I just felt criticised for doing it really. I think by a lot of people or or snit or sort of I think people took it the wrong way maybe. I don't know. Well, personally, and I d people can criticise me if they want, but I think it's a fucking good project. And actually doing something for the wider community is something which is very close to my heart for many reasons, as I've, as I've discussed on different podcasts and what's, whatnot. But actually doing something where we feel like we're helping others. And, you know, there was a mental health epidemic before the pandemic but the pandemic yeah. has brought to the surface so many of our personal issues that we all have. And this is what Toy Division is about, is normalizing and destigmatizing mental health. Because it doesn't matter how many bloody things they have in our workplaces and whatnot, or adverts on TV, especially in the graffiti world, there is still so much stigma and so much like, well, fucking sort yourself out, get over it. Like this real tough yeah. guy or tough girl sort of persona. And I know I know where that comes from. That used to be me. I used to think that I needed to act like that. But if anything is to be judged by the direct messages and the people that have signed up to the Patreon and the extra episodes I do just about mental health, there seems to be a yeah. real need. And doing something like that, I think, is really powerful as well and like you said it sounds like so many of your projects you have the thought bubble i'm normally a thought bubble and then it never bloody happens but you actually do the yeah. thought bubble and then you actually do it but you know going through that must have been really intense because then you're obviously getting the stories and hearing about people that you know aren't with us anymore and actually yeah. that's a very confronting thing to do and then to again get like grief like what are you fucking doing that must have been really difficult so i just wanted to give you a zoom pat on the back because i think it was a great project but like you said sometimes you open up a hornet's nest and you're like oh shit maybe i shouldn't <laughs> maybe i shouldn't go near the hornet's nest next time yeah and i think i think generally a lot of people sort of appreciate the project and i think it's some you're always going to get that online yeah some people are just waiting waiting to criticize you you know it's just a lot of it's not really to do with the project it's just 
people see somebody else getting a little bit of shine online or, or and they think oh you know i've been doing all of this sort of thing why haven't i had that sort of you know it's just, it's just a, there's a lot of different things going on in different people's heads and you know i've, I've kind of realized lockdowns brought a lot of that to, to the you know and i guess the people giving me shit are kind of the people that um the calendar's kind of trying to help in some ways you know um because they're obviously having some issues otherwise they wouldn't be um you know like online moaning about people the whole time you know like all this oversharing online and and i'm not telling anybody not to overshare because if you're in crisis tell somebody but sometimes it just feels like i don't know like who are these people talking to they're talking to the sort of um you know reach out to your friends kind of thing 100 percent reach out to your friends but some some of these people it's just a constant stream of negativity and i don't think it's doing them or anybody else any any good you know with this con these constant rants about just attacking people really i think but yeah. i understand it i understand people's frustration yeah i definitely can feel that at the moment and you know haven't been in three different cities it's i know it's not a bloody competition to know how many cities you've been in in lockdown because there's people that have been all over the bloody world and stuck in hotel quarantines and stuff but i know that frustration know know that feeling and you know yeah. wanting to blame and lash out at people because you know when we're overwhelmed and when we're stressed and when we're really having difficulties with things which we're all having for very many reasons not just because of covid often then we can lash out at people and that make might make us feel a little bit better for two seconds but then it's a never-ending and i was actually talking to someone about how graffiti culture in a lot of ways still does kind of it glorifies or celebrates that quite aggressive i'm the fucking tough guy i'll fucking smash you up i'll attack you on the internet all that shit and it's like i get where that comes from i get it that's sometimes me <laughs> but I guess it's like, is that really how we can continue on? Like I've, I've seen said in so many places, we've got the police against us, we've got the general public against us, and then we're going to fight within our, within ourselves as well. So anyway. Yeah, I often say to people, I think I said to you the other day when we were messaging, you know, like yeah. I think it wasn't designed for middle-aged men. You know, it really <laughs> wasn't. It was designed for, well, it wasn't really designed, but it, it evolved as a way for kids to kind of kids that felt kind of not a part of society to create their own society and, and, and build self-confidence in in getting their name up it was as simple as that really um it was all about elevation and self-discovery and reinvention you know like it wasn't designed for you know like 40 year old man child <laughs> you know like it just wasn't so for people to still go on like they were when they were 14 at 40 and not have evolved the reason they write um which i'd like to think i have i don't write for the same reasons i wrote when i was 15. No. a lot of these a lot of these older guys are still hanging on to the same bullshit that of why they started writing you know and, and to do anything else you're some sort of pussy or some sort of sell out or something i just think um live and let live let people paint what they want to do if they want to do street art if they want to yeah. if they want to investigate different styles they want to paint abstract just live and let live you know like there's no rules to this stuff like 
Well, there are rules, but um, <laughs> I love. You know, it's, like, it's, it's like you it's can that. break rules. Writing is about breaking rules. Do you know what I mean? You, there are rules, but what, what's wrong with breaking the rules? You know, what's, what's wrong with? I have more problem with people, you know, policing the scene and telling people what to do. I think is a problem in graffiti. Not people that that bend the rules. Bending the rules makes the art form a more interesting world. You know, and, and we can have all these different subgenres now and they can all exist with with each other and if you want to stay in your lane stay in your lane but don't criticize somebody who's gone into another lane i just don't just don't see the point you, you just are they just posturing to look hardcore and talk to a to their audience you know, that, it just doesn't make sense to me it's the typical that's not graph this is graph I've decided what's graph that ain't graph you can't do that that's not what subway art says it's like Okay, Subway Art obviously is a, a book that is so important to graffiti writing culture, but are we really going to apply that the only thing that is, in inverted, inverted commas, real graffiti, what is mapped out in a book from the early 80s? Is that really what we're going to do? And it's actually funny you say that message. I think your autocorrect changed it. And this is what that message actually said. I won't read the whole thing. But as always, I say Greek graffiti was designed for middle ages men. <laughs> and then that made me laugh because I was like, that's pretty clever. Because like the middle ages was like fighting and killing and all that sort of stuff. But I guess that was, I guess that was an unintentional text correction. So thanks, Autocorrect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> I think that that did make me laugh because I was like, yeah, that's pretty true. I might get that on a T-shirt, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm definitely not getting any smalls printed. So do you, do you, and this is where I'll bring this kind of to an end because I can smell my wife's cooking dinner downstairs. I'm bloody starving and it's, you've actually, because I interrupted you because Zoom fucked up the time. But in terms of then future projects, you're kind of like, oh, I'm thinking about that. Are you taking a bit of a break now? Is it like I've done my thing? I need a bit of a break or are you the kind of person where you're just constantly having ideas and thinking oh maybe i could do that maybe i could do that i i had some ideas for books when i was in book mode that i haven't developed that um i could go back to definitely there were, there were, i've got sort of two or three things buzzing around in my head that i think would make nice little projects um but I, i'm not sure i'm willing i'm ready to engage fully with the <laughs> With the, with the Instagram world at the moment, maybe I think um, I might need a few more weeks <laughs> to sort of uh, start to re-engage. But I think I will detox. be. I think, um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've definitely had that. I just like just just felt the need to sort of back off from the from you know while while people are going through their things, you know. Yeah. Um, Get people screaming and shouting at me and stuff. Do you know what I mean? I'm just not really down with that stuff. Um, you know, I tell I tell people that come up in my face. You know, like I'm not interested. Do you know what I mean? If you want to, if you want to shout and scream at me, you feel justified in doing that, and it helps you have your little scream. But I'm not, I'm not really ready to engage with all of this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just yeah. tiresome to me. Like it's not really what I want to be involved in. It, to me, it's just it's just paint on walls. It's not it's not that important. I mean, it's important, but it's not. It's, I know. I, don't I know. Stand and scream in the street over it. 
I can, want to go over me, go over me. I, I can tell from you that obviously graph is an incredibly important part of your life, and you're 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 like me. You're a bit of a lifer. Like I'm not saying I've documented or published stuff or probably been as proactive in painting as you, but you know, they say being a lifer. And I think sometimes that can have like a negative connotation. It's like, all you'll ever do is graph, but actually I'm going to be into graph the rest of my life. And I, I, I can't wait to see if I can actually keep my body in a good enough condition to be going out and at least maybe jumping a fence in my seventies or eighties. That will be, that would be my mark of aging very well. And I'm actually doing a lot of stuff where it's not necessarily just to jump fences, but this idea that you need to get yeah. older and frail, it's like keeping the mind active and the body active is key. But it's it's funny because I look quite a bit younger than I actually am, which is obviously great. And there's a bit of a running joke in one of the crews I'm in that it's just the graph that's kept me looking young and hanging out with writers that are a tiny bit younger, not like super younger. And I'm yeah. like, and I, I'm like, if it's wearing a bucket hat and doing graph that keeps me looking young, I'll take that. That's fine. I'm happy to do that. I think you're the same. Yeah, I definitely think graffiti keeps me young. I still, you know. It's a weird mix, I don't, because I don't really want to be one of these um, arrested development people, whereas I, I'm, I'm sort of stuck that I think I'm 18, but I think, you know, it definitely does keep you young. Um, you know, like yourself, I paint with people of all ages. I don't feel like, I don't feel my age when I talk to people. I don't think about the age I'm at. Um, a lot of people seem to get stuck in this, oh, I'm this age now, I, I need to do this, you know, this sort of conformist thing. I don't, I've, I've never really had that, and I think that's, a lot of that is to do with writing. Yeah, hundred percent. Positive thing because I don't ever want to feel like I'm getting my slippers on. You know, I don't want to put my slippers on. Got no interest in it. You know, I've still been going around the world. You know, painting trains and climbing fences and doing all these things I enjoy doing that that just probably seem mad to people. You know, like I was in a German newspaper last year and I think they were talking. They were sort of saying, "Oh, English man of." 40 whatever you know like um arrested <laughs> it's just it's like i just think it's funny because people were just like i thought it was i thought this was kids you know and i and i love that i think it's i think it's hilarious um and i don't want to grow old i don't want to grow well I, 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 you grow old whether you want to or not but i don't want to grow up you know i don't yeah. want to miss that i don't want to lose that feeling of adventure you know i, I love i love the adventure of graffiti you know, the new experiences of graffiti, you know, the endless bucket list. That's it's what get, it is It's getting me all hyped up. Paint. It's getting me all hyped up. I don't want to paint the same Hall of Fame every week, you know, that doesn't interest me at all. That's not why I write. I don't want to paint. I don't want to go to Trellick Tower or Stockwell every week and just go over other people's graffiti. That, to me, that's not writing. Mm. I'm not saying I don't do that, like, for social now and again, but... That's not my career. That's not why I write. I, don't, I just don't get that sort of mentality. I want to find new spots. Um, well, I want to write that, with new people. I want to have new experiences. With that in mind, then, to close this conversation, I think you bring it full circle. Do you ever think that you will make, like, the SCORE TRC book to end SCORE TRC books? Because there's a lot of history there. Do you think you'd ever have the motivation to do that? Or do you think, I've documented enough of what I've already done with these other books? I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so, probably. I don't know where I would, 
it's too much stuff to put in and I'm not very good at making the decisions. Somebody else would maybe have to make the decisions on what did and didn't go in, I guess. Yeah, that would be a tough one. I'd, I'd really, I really struggle to filter stuff out um, and know what, what is and isn't relevant. I don't know. It's, it's hit 1,000 pages and we need to cut it down a little bit. And you're like, nah, I can't cut it down at all. So, okay, well, this has been a great chat and I think we've really dived into these projects and as i said i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna buy a bloody copy of three corners i hope there's some left so i'll put all of your contact details in the show notes they'll be in the instagram posts and whatever so thanks so much for coming back on and talking graffiti gibberish with me again so i really appreciate that and as no, always i always enjoy a good chat with somebody yeah <laughs> i could, could talk all day about graffiti yeah that's, someone suggested that I actually just just chat with people for like because I've got another mate we just don't end up talking and then just split those into episodes I was like yeah but our partners and stuff would be like you can't spend fucking 10 hours on Zoom talking it's like why not keeps us out of your face does it well, yeah fair enough so I'm just going to stop recording so just stay on the line no worries so that's episode 78 done and dusted Big up score and all those projects. I definitely need a copy of Three Corners. Um, yeah, that just, yeah, sounds like an ace book. And I've put in the show notes, Snatch's uh, Instagram and also Score's Instagram. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, we do have an exclusive discount code. So that's TD Score, T for Tango, D for Delta, S K O R E, TD Score. And that will give you a 10% off any order from Score. So check out his Instagram. So that's at ScoreTRC on Instagram. And also check out his actual work. Like I know there's people that will be from different parts of the world. And I'm going to admit this. When I first started writing, I remember seeing Score's stuff and being fucking blown away. So go and check out his Instagram. And you'll be like, holy shit. This guy's been in this... This graph game, everyone to say it cheesy enough, for a long, long time, and is a dedicated documenter. So go and support. Stop ordering shit off fucking Amazon and sending what's his face to fucking space. And support writers, support actual graph writers, support people in the actual scene. Just think about that. We need this at this time. And also, can I just please say, please, let's just have some humility around each other. There's a lot of hate and division going on about certain medical decisions. We really don't need that. We need to unite, save this planet that we live on, save each other, and like treat each other like human beings. So maybe get off social media and believing just what someone's told you because there's a lot of people taking advantage of our fear and our division to make money and get political opinion swayed their way. So be a human being, support each other, because we need this, otherwise we're fucked. Anyway, peace out, Toy Division.